And for the first time, and I can't remember how long, Shy, I actually am excited to have you in-house AKA in studio for this episode of Birdie's Not Being. It's a very special day. It is a special day, and I appreciate it. I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you, like, in the physical form. How are you? In person is very rare nowadays. Right. So this is a very special episode. You know, I feel like you, you got tested just to be over here today. I, did. I know you get tested like every other hour out there as you're traveling. So thank you so much. And, and, and welcome back to Phoenix into the crib. It's, it's good to see your face. Thank you. Always good to see yours. I appreciate as well. that. You know, it's weird. I don't know how to start the show now without being like, Cheyenne, where are you? Like, I'm sure people are like, finally, she's, she's in Phoenix. We get it. I'm at home. It's crazy, but it's still hot. It's still hot. hot I talked hell. to I talked to a friend today in Michigan. They're like, yeah, it's 55 out here right now. I'm like, damn, it's 110 here. I got you doubled up. Our summer goes from March to November. So we have a little bit more time yeah. of this heat. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, even though the heat out here is about to turn down, personality that we got coming on today is definitely going to be turned up. We got yes. my man Maurice Allen coming on. And, uh, you know, it's a little later in the day, so I don't know what version of Maurice we're going to get. I don't know if we're going to get the Rolex wearing. You know, we might just get the chill, Maurice. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, can't wait to talk to him about, you know, the project he's got coming up. And, and Maurice has been so vocal in, in the wake of George Floyd and all these other, um, you know, social injustice acts of insanity that we're seeing on the news every night. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to get his take on on some of the comments that he's made, as well as a lot of the philanthropy and the philanthropic work that he's doing in the community. He's definitely a, a big figure in the golf industry with everything he's accomplished in long drive and then also the voice that he's been able to have with things outside of golf. So I think it'll be a good conversation. Um, I've never personally met Maurice, uh -oh. so I don't know what to expect, but I think it'll be good. That's the thing, you gotta roll the dice with Maurice. So let's, <laughs> let's roll the dice and see who we get. Birdie's not BS. We in here. My man and friend, fam, my fam, Yuli. What's going on, Maurice Allen? What's up, boy? Uh, you know, doing my same old, same old, causing ruckus and chaos. You know what? That's why we wanted to have you on here, because there's some ruckus and some chaos that we want to get to. But I want to know, first and foremost, you won the long drive in 2018, now 2020. What are, what are some of the thoughts that you have from, from that day and some of the things that will stay with you? Um, honestly, from that day, man, uh, the coolest thing, it was my mom's birthday. So the whole thing that made people, I guess, kind of recognize who I was with the whole Ric Flair and everything, that was actually on my dad's birthday. So just to give my parents something that they'll never forget in back-to-back -back years was kind of cool. So I that's, like that that's you mentioned the Ric Flair because that's one of those things that most people like associate with you. Do you have to pay a royalty to Rick or the WWE for <laughs> using his stuff? Because I don't understand how you can get away with that shit. No, nah, man, it, it's funny, man. Um, you know, it, it's, it was something that was done as a joke. What most people don't know, it was actually, it was supposed to be a live event. It changed because we moved it up because of weather. There was this big, bad storm coming in. And so they didn't know that we were hitting. Um, and, you know, at that particular time, and my training partner was like, hey, man, you win your first match. Give me two claps in the Ric Flair. And I was literally looking at my phone right before I walked up to that first match. And I was like, hmm. All right. Sounds like something funny to do. I just thought it would be a good joke. I had no clue it was going to turn into what it turned into. But the funniest part of it all is most people, when they first meet me, they expect that part of me. Um, and they don't understand the serious side of me. And obviously, over the course of time, 
with the things that I post on social media and stuff, I've had people be like, oh, well, I used to be a fan of yours and now I'm not a fan anymore. And I'm like, well, what are you a fan of? Right. Like, what was it that people were interested in? Yeah. Were you a fan of somebody who you thought was a clown? Or, I mean, what was it? Because, you know, but it's it's different. But, yeah, I've never, never, ever expected that to be what it was. But, you know, it was a cool moment in time. I know there is a side of athletes that have kind of that dual personality. Do you feel like you have that in a sense of when you go into long drive, you have that, you know, Ric Flair kind of persona where you get pumped up, you, you are competing and in that environment, then you also have that serious side, you know, that you mentioned that people aren't always expecting. No, I think it's different. Like for me, you know, when you look at any athlete across the board, it doesn't matter if it's golf. NASCAR, basketball, football, whatever it is that we're doing, essentially we're playing a game for a living. Um, Those of us who are fortunate enough to do that. And if you can't enjoy yourself, like even with you going out, you know, you spend countless hours on the range, nine times out of 10 by yourself, or you go on these hikes and these workouts and all this other stuff. And sometimes you get people going with you, but a lot of the times you're there by yourself and you find yourself having these semi-spiritual moments or these moments of enlightenment with yourself Mm -hmm. and it's all this blood sweat and tears you know like j cole said you know they went with me shooting in the gym and all this other stuff and and when you look at it it's crazy because when you get out there and play if you can't have fun then because all the work's been done before you get to the tournament you know what i'm saying like when you're walking those 18 holes or when you're at the nba finals or at the super bowl that's supposed to be the fun part. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's one thing that golf misses because right. there's so many people who can't relate to golfers. You know, if you hit a ball and let's say you hold one out from, you know, 30 yards or you sink a 60-foot putt, and you're starting to see it a little more now, but, you know, the traditional thing was a tip of the clap, I'm too cool for school, throw these two <laughs> fingers in the air and walk off. Yes. The Phil, the Phil like, Mickelson, the thumb up yes. and the hat tip. Like the, yeah, it, it was like, like... It hurts. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, what is that? Versus John Rahm when he won, you know, off that 60-foot putt. You're supposed to get pumped up because those moments are what you put all that work for, you know? So when I'm out there in long drive or on the golf courses, I'll do it on the golf course. I don't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? I roll the putt. I'm, I'm going to be me. I don't, <laughs> I don't care what you say. I mean, I'm not even putting it. Yeah, you, you, it's just one of those things. And I think that's what makes the fans connect with certain people. Maurice, talk about the dynamic between long drive and actually going to play golf. When you actually, because a lot of people don't understand, you are a golfer. Like you play, you compete in tournaments. You 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 got cash on the line when you go play <laughs> golf. Talk about the you know the 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 two different aspects of the game. Long drive is different. You know, long drive is the slam dunk contest, home run derby, home run derby. You're going at it a million miles an hour. You're going as hard and as fast as you possibly can. And the parallel between the two is it's fractions on either side. You know, if you Mm -hmm. miss a putt, it could be by fractions. A a ball going in or out of the grid on the driver is fractions. You know, the spin and all these other things. Um, You know, when I play golf, I get in a completely different mindset. I understand that the first thing you do is you let the ego out the door. I don't have to pull the driver. So what people don't know is by trade, I'm a biochemist. So when I was at Florida A&M, double major in biology and chemistry with a minor in math. So the thing I bring to the golf course is stats. So before there was Decade and all these other apps that people are using to play, I always look at the stats, you know, and you see it quite often when people go for go for it in two on the par five and they end up in trouble. Mm-hmm. So the question was, well, were you ever going to get there in the first place? Well, no, I was just trying to get as close <laughs> as I could. Well, why would you bring trouble into play if you could never get there? 
Right. Why hit the three wood? Hit the five iron, leave yourself 100 yards or a wedge shot, whatever your quote unquote golden number is and play from there. And that's the same thing I do when I'm playing golf. I don't always pull the driver out because the driver could get me in trouble. And there are some days where, you know, you you feel like, um, you know, Ray Allen, where you can't miss and, you, you know, the driver, you in the zone and you just, it don't matter where you look, the man, fairway look 300 yards wide, man, you just rolling with it. <laughs> But then you also have to be so in tune with yourself when you say, all right, today's not a day when I'm like that. Let me push right. this ego down. Let me get something in play. And today's, you know, a grinding day. Like when Jordan Spieth ended up winning the Valspar in Tampa, he talked about, and that was probably one of the pivotal interviews I saw. He was like, I wasn't trying to make the birdies happen. I just let them come. Mm-hmm. I kept putting myself in position. I kept just getting on the greens and reg and then trying to roll the rock and let's see what happens. A lot of times people try to overpower golf. And the one thing that you'll learn about golf is golf is physical chess. If you get out of position or if you get too far ahead of yourself or you're not thinking strategically, you'll end up missing out on something. So golf is a sport where you definitely have to be in the moment. That's funny. We're a long drive champ talking about not banging driver everywhere. Right. I like that, Marie. Right. Take some discipline to do that. It does, especially when you know that you have it in the bag. How hard is that for you sometimes to just reel it in? Did that take time to learn that patience, to learn that course management? Because I play, like I've told Doug, I play in a lot of programs with these guys who, like you said, are just trying to smash it as far as they can every shot. But golf is very mental. Did you really have to work on that? Or were you always aware of just that change in dynamic of games? No, for me, it was different. You know, the people you're around is a huge part of who you become. Uh, Everybody in general is a sum total of their life experiences. So for me, it was my coach, uh, my mentors, you know, my uncle. You know, I used to play golf with him and we would be playing in these money games and I'd hit the driver and I'd be in, you know, inside of 50 yards and I'd duff chips or these, those little shots that no one ever wants to hit. Even right. touring pros don't want 40 yard shots. Yeah, they're, they're a little like, scary sometimes. <laughs> yeah, they can get a little funky. But the way how I learned was, you know, I went home, had a, when I was living in Atlanta, stayed in this townhouse with hardwood floors, I literally put electrical tape on the bottom of my 60 and started chipping off the hardwood floors, trying not to scuff up the floor. I was like, either A, mm-hmm. I'm going to learn how to chip off of a tight lie, or I'm going to put a hole in this wall, and <laughs> I'm going to stop losing my uncle's money. One or you know the other. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's one or the other. So, you know, there's certain things, but when you're going out here playing with these guys who are all about hitting the ball long, you have to understand there's two different things. There's the art of playing golf, and then there are people who hit the ball. And those two are completely different. There are a lot of people out there who hit the ball. Um, There are some people who call themselves professional golfers, but all they do is hit the ball. When Mm -hmm. you look at someone who actually plays golf, they understand that you look from the course, from the green to the tee, not the tee to the green, and then figure out what works on that. So it's something completely different. Maurice, you in here dropping bars to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, we usually get technical at the end, but I feel like you, you sprinkling little keys all in your, your 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 answers to these questions. Man, I like this. Like, I ain't ever heard nobody chipping off the hardwood with some electrical tape. Now, that's that's another level of practice. I like that mess, a lot. You either going to mess something up or you're going to uh, learn how to get it right. Real quick. But I'm, I'm glad that you're here because I want to touch on this. You made a statement. Mm-hmm. You tweeted uh, and posted on Instagram saying that, uh, dear Golf Media, uh, please don't ask Tiger Woods and Harold Varner anything about what's going on regarding George Floyd. They don't speak for black people. Now, mm-hmm. Cheyenne and I had a conversation about it. We, we, we kind of differed. She didn't appreciate, you know, you calling out Tiger and Harold along those lines. 
I felt like it was more of a, a call to action for the tour and the media to look around at other voices. You know, I want to hear what mm-hmm. Kevin Kisner has to say. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear what Charles Howe has to say. Tell me about why you felt the need to make that post and what it actually meant uh, from your vantage point. <laughs> um, first things first, so I can clear the air with this. I only post things that I'm led to post. Um, some people are slaves to their social media. I'm a very spiritual person, so I don't say nothing on my social. I don't put things out towards people unless I'm being led by the Almighty himself to do it. And one thing I don't do, uh, just to be upfront with people, I don't play with God. Uh, there are a few things in this, very few things in this world that I'm afraid of, but God is definitely at the top of that list. My mom is probably real close to that as well. <laughs> um, you know, Doug, you know me, but the rest of people may not. Mm. I'm unapologetic. Um, I believe in giving an apology. (laughs) (laughs) I I only believe in giving an apology if I'm sorry. And sorry means, you know, if I could do it over, I would do it differently. Mm. I don't know what possessed me to make that post that morning. Um, Every morning that I wake up, I take 15 to 20 minutes and I talk to God and I talk to the ancestors and I allow them to speak to me. As an athlete or as a black male, as a black person, so many times in life, we've always been fearful of speaking out or saying something's wrong because we're worried about our financial obligations as people. Mm. Um, But also we're always taught that everything that you do, other people are always going to be affected by everything that you do. Not saying it's necessarily right. If Doug going somewhere at a golf course and he act a fool, the first thing they're going to say is all black dudes act a fool. Mm. That's just going to be the, that's just going to be the way it is. And I understand when it's white people, it's always, you know, they're finding themselves, they're expressing themselves. Um, and we know, the, but we know the rules, you know, we understand that. And I've always had the belief that everything you do is all about what you leave. But when I look at the, the situation with Tiger, when I look at the situation with Harold, you know, they could have said something a long time ago. They could have mm-hmm. stood up because especially in Tiger scenario, it ain't money. But when you look at it, and the the the, the reason in that post was, and people say, "Oh man, you know, it was during the time when the NBA had walked out, and it was, oh, you telling Tiger to to sit down and and walk out." And I was like, "No, I'm not," and I'm not questioning how he is as a golfer. The thing you have to understand is, certain people is just not in them. I want to know, Maurice, right now, why you felt like saying. Tiger and Harold shouldn't speak for black folk. Because I'm going to tell you right now, from my vantage point, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, this is how I interpret it. I mm-hmm. felt like you, you weighted their blackness. Like if, if the blackness was on this spectrum, you were saying, you know what, Tiger and Harold, we, I don't know if you, you can speak for all the black folk because y'all, y'all kind of detached. You're not so involved. You're not in these areas. You're not making an impact. Again, this was my read. So correct me if I'm wrong. Who, I'll say if not this. Tiger and Harold, then who? I'll say it this way. Um, the easiest way to put it is this. When Harold Varner got on the Golf Channel, not once but twice, and said there's no racism in golf, mm-hmm. he shot himself in the foot. Because everybody who watched this, everybody know. You can't ask people to speak for people that, number one, they've never spoken for. They don't necessarily even come close to being in the same circles. You know, the, the things that we're talking about, we have to be honest. Does this make him a bad golfer? Does it make him a bad person? No, you can't. I'm, I'm not saying any of those things, but what I'm saying is you can't speak for us. I think it's so right important after. to the way that you are 
saying these statements. Like I, I personally can say I've never felt racism towards me on the golf course. That doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. And exactly. I think that's the difference when people are speaking about this topic. I've seen numerous white people talk about this topic and have empathy and understanding for what has happened, but not to them. They know that it happens, um, mm-hmm. but they've never experienced it. And that's what this whole conversation is about. Just because you don't see it, you don't experience it, does not mean that it's not happening. Um, and I think that's kind of where some people have missed the boat when they are using their platform to either talk about it or not talk about it. But it's so important to to really dial in on that because that's the when I read, you know, I saw Harold on Golf Channel and he said, there's no racism in golf. That I mean... I walked in the clubhouse just Saturday and two of my... Fr- three of my friends had a problem. They were just trying to get their money back or a rain check. I didn't say a word. I was 20 feet away from them. The moment I walked in, they start recording. The moment I walk in, I didn't even say a word. I was just chilling. I didn't walk up to the counter. I didn't have nothing in my hand. And they were like... And, but the thing is... It changed them, you know what I mean? But but here's the thing, though, and, and I keep trying to explain to people, you can't bring Tiger into the com- into the conversation because he's God complex. He's God complex. I don't care who you are. Tiger could be purple. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm dead serious. Tiger could be purple, and he played golf the way he played it. Man, that purple dude bad than the mother. I don't care. I am a fan. But, Maurice, I want to <laughs> get into this, though. You won in 2018 World Long Drive Champion. Congrats, by the way. Still happy. Uh, appreciate I'm still, it. I'm still celebrating the Rattler doing his thing. That's <laughs> right. In your acceptance speech, you said you're never going to have a champion like me. You all, you committed $5,000 to four scholarships on the spot before they even handed you the damn belt. You was giving away money. What are you doing right now? Because I know you're not sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> I'm being a vessel. Um, that's all I know to do, man. You just, you just be a vessel. Um, you have to move. It, it's simple. <sighs> My goal is immortality and in a different way than most people would think. You know, immortality for me is you leave this place better than when you've got here. And at the end of the day, you've affected it where people will remember you long after you're gone. And that is, my goals have always been that high. So, you know, we're still doing the scholarships, I think. This year we're doing, I think, 40 grand in scholarships to high school kids um, in my neighborhood. Um, With COVID, it changed a little bit. We had this program we were doing called Saving Christmas where we were legitimately giving kids a savings account based on their grades. If you had an A average, you ended up, there was a bank on the sponsor, you got 100 bucks. If you had a B average, you got 75. If you had a C average, you got um, $50. And then if you had a D or less, you didn't get nothing. Um, but the goal in that was to try to get more kids in my neighborhood to stop thinking about that they have to go broke and mm-hmm. buying people Christmas presents and learning how to save. You know, uh, most times in my neighborhood, what you see are people, you know, they spend all their money on Christmas presents and then they're they're playing catch up until their income tax comes back. Um, as a kid, I never got Christmas presents, and it's not we ain't Jehovah Witnesses. No, hey, shout out to the Jehovah Witnesses. Nothing wrong with y'all. Y'all cool people. Love y'all. Bah, 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 bah. But my mom, uh, her mentality was simple. You know, she said, "How you expect to get presents on someone else's birthday? It ain't your birthday. It's Jesus's birthday." So that's the household I grew up in. Uh, my mom's a pretty tough lady, so. You know, she she said a lot of choice things that I dare not repeat on your show. Um, well, that's but, you know, that's, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I mean, 
I know that you're doing with the high school kids. I think I saw a post today about you and the uh, Maurice Allen 360 Foundation doing yet even more giving. Talk to us a little bit about the most recent project. Yeah, so uh, last year I got in the Dinah Resorts event um, at the absolute last minute. Uh, the event started on Thursday, called me on Tuesday afternoon, was like, hey, what you doing? Mm-hmm. And I ended up playing. I hadn't played golf in a, actually two months at that point. Um, played well enough where I got the invite back this year. They sent me my registration, got in, and I was like, okay, well, what can I do to be impactful? So I decided after all this publicity that has happened with social injustice and everything going on in the golfing world, there were, the thing I did find most, like Cheyenne said, there was a lot of people who wanted to help. They just didn't know where or how to help. So I designed this uh, pledge system where it's solely based off the Stableford uh, system where people go, I think it's $1 is the minimum denomination for an individual all the way up to $25. And they're paying, they're pledging per point that I score over the four-day series of the tournament. And all of the money from there is going directly into a fund where we're going to take equally black, not minority, black, black, and more black, male golfers and black female golfers and literally going to give them a check and tell them to go play. Um, I'm not eligible for any of this stuff. Uh, The reason why is because the thing that makes it valid uh, when you're talking to people is, you know, most times you hear about all these different organizations, people fattening their own pockets. Sometimes the money goes up short, goes missing. Yep. They don't know where it's going. Hurricane relief to breast cancer awareness. Um, for me, it's all about keeping everything authentic, making sure that people know where every dollar is going, where everything's accountable. There is no administration fees, anything like that. The people who we do have on staff, they will be paid, but not through the donations. There'll be corporate sponsors and partners that fund that part. Um, but there's a lot of amazing athletes out there. And I know Cheyenne knows quite a bit of them. Uh, Doug, you were one of them. Damn. Um, and- <laughs> <Cold blood. laughs> See how it is, man. Like, you try to come yeah, on my you- show, our show, talk with yeah, smack. You were. This is you were one of them. Uh, you were one of them. I love But no, them. I mean, when, when you, you look at it, you know, you know people always talk about what happens, what happens to a dream deferred. But there's right. so many amazing black golfers that, I think male and female have missed the boat surely because of finances, uh, not definitely not because of skill. And there aren't many who are going to get out there and keep knocking at the door like a Tim O'Neill. I mean, Tim's almost 50, I think. Tim's 97 um, years old. We've talked about this before. I don't care what yeah. nobody's saying. Tim's 122. Okay, like- so Sa- <laughs> Tim, a.k.a. Satchel Page. But when you look at it, you know, when you look at it, I've had the amazing ability to travel all over this world and win you know, 20, 30 titles, however many I've won over the years. And I'm not a guy who grew up playing golf. You know, I didn't play my first, I didn't play golf before I went to long drive. I had never played in a junior tournament. I didn't do any of these things. And so for me, it's just like, you know, God's blessed me enough and beyond my wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. So I owe the sport of golf uh, a whole lot more than it's given me. And the only way I can do that is to sow seeds into other people and try to give people the chances that I had as well. Exactly. Now you mentioned 20, 30 world championships. Long drive, where, what is the status of that currently um, with your competitions? Uh, and where do you see it moving forward? Uh, so, well, first things first, uh, long drive is a little thing I like to call dead as hell. Um, <laughs> Golf Channel tried to sell it and no one wanted to buy it. So it, it's, it's going nowhere. Uh, WLD, World Long Drive, as we know it, is dead and gone. There will be a few. 
I guess, leagues that pop up and we'll see what they're able to do. As far as moving forward, I think the amateur side is, is growing significantly. You know, the amateur long drive, I think they get quite a few competitors that chase after those titles. But the problem with long drive versus golf is long drive, there's no, you know, there's no faking it. You got mm-hmm. speed or you don't have speed. In golf, you know, there's so many different ways to birdie right. a single hole. You know, I could drive the green and two putt. You could go and hit the ball in the fairway, throw it the three feet, putt. Doug can go right. miss the green, chip up and, and hold it out and still make a birdie. There's right. four completely different ways. In long drive, it's speed, speed, speed. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can't shake it. You can't fake it. You can't do anything. So it's a, it's a thing that kind of limits itself through God-given ability. I know you're extremely active in the diversity task force, you know, you and Roger at this year's PGA show. I'm sure there were some, <laughs> some ambiguities around, uh, oh, yeah, or excuse you. me, there was some commentary that was made that Roger was able to catch on film. Shocker. And, uh, he caught some things, but Roger Steele. So tell me a little bit about your PGA experience and what you wanted to say to the PGA of America. Stop lying. That's it. <laughs> Just stop lying. I mean, at the end of the day, man, you know, when I go back and I look at things, um, there has been absolutely no sense of acknowledgement of black people in this game, period. You look at, uh, what's that, Women's International, Women's Month and Women's mm-hmm. Day and all this other stuff, and Puppy Day, and they, they only accept <laughs> and, and promote, I'm like, Sunglass Day. and All, all these made-up days. All these made-up days, but Black History Month doesn't, even phase people. You know, I'll give you a quick, quick order, real quick, all right? PGA show. I'm sitting there with Roger and I talk to them and I tell them, hey, y'all have never acknowledged us, blah, 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 blah. Give them the rundown and tell them everything they're not doing. This is the end of January. Fast forward three days. What happens? Kobe dies, terrible, tragic helicopter accident. What happens at the waste management? Everybody got eight and 24 and we put in Mamba mentality. First things first, let me stop with that. Stop putting Mamba mentality on stuff. Y'all ain't the damn Mamba. Y'all ain't got his mentality. Stop putting this whole thing where LeBron's sitting on the court talking about yeah, this is my mode. Your mode is you sitting on the couch watching the game. LeBron ain't watching nobody game. He in the gym working out. He doing his thing. Kobe, if he was alive, he'd be somewhere shooting in the gym. You ain't special. You ain't them. Sit back, grab a bag of popcorn, put your feet up on the ottoman, and watch the real players play. So you ain't Kobe. You ain't got no mama mentality. You ain't Braun. You ain't beast mode. You just regular old you. If you want to be something better, get off your butt and change who you are. They want to be better, though. They can't aspire. I call them Joe Roast Beef. (laughs) Yeah, aspire to do some real work. Don't be out here talking (laughs) about what your mode is. So anyway, Kobe dies in in a tragic accident. They put all this stuff up. And this is on, I believe, the 28th or 29th of January. And everybody's got their wedges stamped and all this other stuff. Write it on the shoes. Bryson DeChambeau and TaylorMade. And everybody putting all this stuff up. Three days later, ain't nobody say nothing about black history. Charlie Sifford, Ted Rose, Joe Lewis. I can go down the list of people. Mm-hmm. Joe Black. None of these folks exist. The, the easiest thing y'all could have done was shut my black ass up and be like, you know something? We tired of him. We don't like nothing he going to say. We don't, we don't want to be a part of this, but guess what we're going to do? We're just going to do it to shut him up. And guess what they do? Mm-mm. No, we ain't going to do that. We keep it rolling. Breaking down barriers or making people aware of the, the quote-unquote social norm that they do and saying it's not acceptable, 
Man, a lot of people don't want to hear that. That's why a lot right. of people don't want to hear me talk. But guess mm-hmm. what? I'm going to keep talking it because here's the thing. When I hit the ball across Niagara Falls, I'm the only person in history to have ever done that, period, on the planet. Ain't nobody ever do it. Ain't nobody ever going to do it because there's a law against doing it now. So you do it, you're do it. So I hate to tell y'all, but I'm going to be the only person to ever do it. But I mean, but seriously, I, we yes. have a whole PR scheme set up. Hey, we go into Good Morning America. We go into this. We go into that. And everybody's like, nah, 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 nah. Golf Channel. They going to get out there and say, oh, well, we'll put it on at the very end of the day like it doesn't mm-hmm. exist. I think that's why it's so important to have not only diversity of us, you know, competitors, but diversity within the industry so that there Mm -hmm. are different perspectives. People are able to recognize what is important. What do we need to push? What are we missing? Um, I think Mm -hmm. that's really what golf is lacking because there aren't people out there to recognize that we need to highlight this story. We need to use our platform. And if they make it important, people are going to pay attention. And we haven't been doing that as a sport, I don't think. No, it's funny. To Cheyenne's point, Maurice, is I I talked to a golf executive at a nameless company uh, days after George Floyd and after we had all post our black, blank, black screens on our our social media pages. I didn't do that. And um, (laughs) the company actually had a meeting with multiple execs and they all wanted Mm -hmm. to do something. But because there was not a diverse individual in the room they ended up doing nothing mm. because they didn't have that barometer or that individual to say, this is right. This is wrong. Right. This is racist. This mm-hmm. is, this is they too, didn't this enough. And, and in, a, in an effort to be supportive, they erred on the side of safety and said nothing. And I think that's something that we really have to be careful about yeah. uh, in this so, era. I'll give you the most common statement I've ever heard. Okay. When I tell people that there's no equality in golf and so on and so forth, Cheyenne, I'm sorry to do this to you, mm-hmm. but the number one statement I hear is, well, Tiger Woods is the best player ever alive, and he's black. Okay, so you That's gave one. me one. Really? One? Keep going. Now, now in the right? defense, but here's the defense. Watch this. So you have to understand what you're dealing with. Number one, LPGA and PGA Tour are governing bodies of leagues. So technically... Their, their job is to go with the content that is given to them based on the way how their leagues are affiliated, the players within the league. So if there ain't but two black players in the league, well, guess what? That's all we got. Right. Now, the PGA of America and the USGA are teaching in professional bodies where it is a little different because they are supposed to talk about the, you know, the UMESs and the many black PGA teaching pros and people like Carter Rich who work at the USGA and so on and Shout so on Carter and all this other stuff. So those people, those two organizations are in a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Tiger is the only person, which he was, the only black person on the tour forever, so when they do post him, they feel like they're checking the box. And yes, they've grown into more community involvement pieces, but it's not, it's not the same. When was the last time you have ever seen any body in the golf industry market to the black golfer mm-hmm. period you know what on that one <laughs> you know what man i i appreciate you so much for taking the time to come on here uh, and jump on with us and get on yes. the mics and, and enlighten folks maurice how do the folks find you that don't follow you oh man that's simple maurice allen 360 man that's that's all i do what's the 360 yeah, for maurice 
simple, man. 360 was a circle, man. That's what life is all about is coming full circle. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about the distance. It wasn't about the swing speed. It wasn't about anything. It was about me being more than just a golfer. I knew a long time ago, you know, when everybody was creating logos and all this other stuff and websites, it was always whatever the lawn driver's name was and lawn drive or golf. And I knew I was going to do something much bigger than just be a lawn driver or just be a golfer. So 360 was what it was all about. It was just a complete circle. I love that. And you definitely are more than just a golfer. Thank you for talking oh, to us. What? That was that was like, I bought Cheyenne Woods a drink and I'm going to tell everybody. Ah. See, I got a compliment from Cheyenne Woods. That's as close as I'm going to get the time. I got to say, I appreciate, <laughs> I, I got to say. I, <laughs> geez. No, we appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the voice that you have in the golf industry right now. Keep, keep at it because there's not many of them out there. Maurice Allen. I have to say, I was impressed. Ooh, I, like well, I said he, earlier, I didn't know what to expect. And I just, like I told him at the end, I'm just honestly very refreshed with these different perspectives and voices that the golf world now has. And I do think that his is very important. That's the second compliment you've given him today. So like when he hears this episode, <laughs> he's really going to just beam into the All future. All right, that's so, it. Um, you know, Maurice, you know, this guy that, you know, we went to the same school. You know, we both went to FAMU. Shout out to FAMU, Florida A&M. Uh, my Rattlers out there. And, um, you know, Maurice has always been, been vocal. I, I just, it's, it's really refreshing to, to hear someone that does speak from a standpoint of legacy who wants to make this world a better place when he exits it and who's aware of the, the sacrifices of his ancestors and his parents and his, his mom and them, you know, on the impact that it's had on his life. So uh, big shout out to Maurice Allen. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen to him now. You know, long drives starting to go away as we just heard. So, uh, I guess he might have to try to make it to the tour now. I don't know what he's going to do. He seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders, so I think he'll be good. But uh, I definitely want to try and get out and play with him because he was giving us a lot of gems course management-wise, so I got to see all that play out and see if he's really about it. I will say this. When you play with Maurice Allen, you definitely see golf a different way. The funny part about Maurice, and we all know Maurice is famed, uh, he gets on his tippy toes and he kind of mm -hmm. takes these 70 feet waggles that go all the way to the top. He does that when he's hitting the pitching wedge. Wow. So if he's 190 yards, because that's about how far he hits his damn pitching wedge. Yep. You know, he, he does that. But big I'm shout out. I'm here hitting five wood. <laughs> Jeez. Big shout out to Maurice Allen and the, and, the, and the Maurice Allen 360 Foundation and all the work that you're doing. Um, Maurice is one of those guys that you don't see all the things that he's doing behind the scenes. And he doesn't care if you do or not, because Maurice is going to make this world a different place. And Maurice, we, we, we thank you for your vigor. We thank you for your patience and we thank you for your tenacity. Hope you guys enjoy that episode. We always love talking to new guests. Make sure you hit us up on social media. Tell us who else you want to hear from, what questions you might have. At Birdies Not BS on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook as well. And you know you can hit us up on birdiesnotbs.com. My DMs work. Cheyenne's don't Are no, closed. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll be back next week, man. Holla at y'all. Yo.